0: Amen. Good morning, Mill City Church. For those of you who are new with us, my name is Ruth Lawrenson, um, and I'm one of the pastors here on team. Now, we're here in Christmas week. Who's excited? I spotted some Christmas sweaters in the crowd there, but it was also the fourth Sunday of Advent, and today we're concluding our Advent series, The Spirit of Advent, where we've been looking at the role of the Holy Spirit through the Advent stories, and particularly um, how that impacts us today. Now, as a Brit living in the USA, I've had many cultural things to get my head around, but none of them has been as surprising and laughable as my discovery with the National Enquirer magazine. You know, it's the original fake news tabloid paper, isn't it? And it seems to have a particular obsession with the British royal family. I remember, Um, Almost now, 10 years moving here, I was a newbie in the States, and I remember uh, perusing the shelves at Albertsons, and um, to my surprise and shock, I saw the glaring headline, Dying Queen, Six Months to Live, and for a split second there, but only for a split second, I thought we might be in trouble, But, you know, it used to be easy to spot fake news in these gossipy, debased newspapers. You know, headlines such as, ''Space aliens stole my baby.'' (laughs) Or, ''Computer viruses spread to humans.'' Or, ''Vladimir Putin is a robot.'' You know, it doesn't really take that much not to fall for that. But, of course, what's emerged over these last couple of years is the prevalence of fake news. It's everywhere, isn't it? Infiltrating everything. No one knows what to believe anymore. Facebook, algorithms, political agendas have brought fake news to a whole new level. British theologian, author, and bishop, Graham Tomlin, says this. None of our societies know how to manage their mourning for the real. A sense of lack of depth, lack of reality pervades this culture so much that no one knows anymore what is real and what is fake. And here's the thing, fake news and the disorientation it brings to society is not just a problem for the news industry. It's a challenge for the church today. Why? Because we are a community, a Jesus-following, Spirit-filled community who have it wired in our DNA to proclaim good news, the good news of Jesus, of what he has done and what he will do. And yet, here we are... We're in the, the same doubts, the mistrust, the cynicism that saturates our cultural climate today now are being used as filters to assess the church's voice. You know, people are asking, how authentic is this gospel? People are questioning if there are other agendas in the mix. You know, the church is called to be a voice but the credibility of that voice is in question. Now, the sto- this morning, we're in the Advent story of Zechariah the priest found in Luke chapter 1. Zechariah, he's married to Elizabeth, and, you know, they're old, and they haven't been able to have children, and this would have been uh, a place of deep pain and shame for this dedicated religious couple. But one day, we're told in, the, in Luke chapter 1, Uh, Zechariah, he's performing this honored priestly duty in the temple of Jerusalem. And he has this encounter with the angel Gabriel. And the angel informs him that his prayers have been answered, that Elizabeth will bear him a son in her old age. And this son is to be named John. And he's going to be this prophetic forerunner of the Messiah. Pretty intense, right? Now, Zechariah's response to this is that he wants to have a sign that this is actually true. He's checking out whether this is fake news or not. And because of Zechariah's wavering faith, what happens is he's given a sign, all right. Gabriel takes away his hearing and he becomes non-verbal for the duration of Elizabeth's pregnancy and birth of his son. Now, Fast forward to Luke 1, verse 64. Here we are. It's the eighth day after this son is born. And as in Jewish tradition, they are about to circumcise and name him. And this is the moment of reckoning for Zechariah. You know, just imagine those months of silence, the contemplation that must have taken place in his heart. And when, when asked, He writes on a tablet that his son is to be named John. And we see this miraculous happening. Zechariah can now suddenly speak. And it says that he's filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesies this prophetic song. Let's take a look. It says... Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through the holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hands of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hands of our enemies and enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my childs, Peace. Now, there's so many things that we could unpack in this story, but the one thing I don't want us to miss today, especially in the light of the church needing to reestablish its credibility as a bearer of good news, is this truth that the outcome of being filled with the Holy Spirit for a person. For a church is the overflow of prophetic ministry. As the Holy Spirit fills us, he speaks through us. What we find here, right at this, the end of this roller coaster story, full of the supernatural breaking in, is Zechariah being filled with the Holy Spirit and he's bursting out in this prophetic song. And what is true for Zechariah is true for us as followers of Jesus today. As we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we become a prophetic community. A Spirit-filled church is a prophetic church. You see, what is happening with Zechariah in this story is a picture of what will happen in just over 30 years' time as the disciples, they're huddled in this small little room, they're waiting for the Holy Spirit, and the Church of Christ was born, and the Spirit lit the flame. And now every person believing in Jesus gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And because of that, now the church doesn't just have a few people with a prophetic gift. It becomes itself a prophetic people. This spirit-filled community um, is called to be a voice in a dry and weary land. This Jesus following people group, it becomes a sign of a different kingdom with a different king. This motley crew of fishermen or tax collectors, or sinners, college students, business leaders, worn out mums, you know, who've died to themselves and be born again by the Spirit into the family of God. They embody a hope so piercing that it can break heavy chains and pierce the imminent frame of the secular age that we find ourselves in. Guys, this is the spirit-filled prophetic church, and it's part of who we are and part of how we're meant to live. Now, I imagine in this room, whether you are a follower of Jesus here this morning or not, that there will be differing thoughts feelings, and questions that arise on this topic of prophetic ministry. For some of you, you might have witnessed um, or experienced prophetic ministry, and it's not been helpful. You know, it might have brought more confusion or more questions, and it's led to a suspicion of it. For some of us here, we might have experienced it in such a way where it's been life-giving, and then there's others of us in this room that have had little or no experience of the prophetic ministry at all. I don't know where you find yourselves this morning, but I believe there's a lot of confusion in the church today of what it looks like for us to be a prophetic ministry, to be a prophetic community. You know, there have been Examples that are not authentic. There have been expressions that have veered off track. And yet, in a secular culture that's become worn down and cynical, that is mourning for the real, I believe it's imperative for us, the church, to fight for what it looks like to be a true prophetic community in this hour. Why? Because a genuine, prophetic muni- a genuine prophetic ministry does two things that are vital, two things that we cannot afford to let go of. Firstly, it's a voice that has spiritual power You know, the prophetic community of faith is not meant to be a community of religious commentators critiquing the world through its religious lens. You don't need the Spirit's power for that. In it's genuine form in its spirit-filled form, the prophetic voice of the church carries with it spiritual power, Holy Spirit power to unlock things that are locked, to bring healing when all hope is lost, to speak resurrection life in places of death, to shatter spiritual darkness, to penetrate the hardest hearts with a message of hope. It's not what we deem powerful in human standards, but it's the spirit-filled power of God's voice at work. And secondly, why the genuine prophetic ministry is vital and something we need to fight for is because it's a sign that makes the gospel believable. You know, we're now in this new pluralistic society where we have a pick-and-mix truth culture, We've talked about it just now, mistrust. No one knows what to believe anymore. And here's the thing, when the true prophetic ministry is at work, the gospel becomes undeniable. What we find here in this Advent story of Zechariah as he prophesies this song on the midnight hour of this intertestamental period are truths of what the prophetic ministry of the church should look like and what it shouldn't look like. Now, what's interesting in this story is the state of Zachariah's heart um, right at the beginning. If we roll back to the initial encounter he has with Gabriel, we're giving clues to what is really going on in Zachariah's heart. You know, his faith is unable to accept this promise of a child without a sign, and Gabriel, what happens is he takes away his speech. And, you know, I, I think... It's all too easy to give Zechariah a hard time for this. You know, it's like, come on, Zechariah, there's an angel standing in front of you. Why can't you believe? But you know, if we just ponder for just a moment and empathize with where Zechariah was, you know, his hope of becoming a father had been left a long time ago. And here he, here he is, he's a priest in the temple of God in Jerusalem, and his hope for a Messiah to come is like a smoldering wick. It says in Scripture that it was 400 years of God's silence. He's performing his priestly duties. He continues on with religion, but what he really needs is renewal. There's a verse in the book of Proverbs that says, hope deferred makes the heart sick but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. You know, I think this is where, this is the place where Zechariah was, a place of hope deferred. And you know, I'd like to suggest, contrary to popular opinion, that this, that God taking away his hearing and his speech was more of God's kindness to him than rebuke. Here he is, you know, he's in a place of hope deferred, His heart is sickened, and it also says in Scripture that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Maybe this is God's kindness to him. In removing the noise of the external world and his ability to speak, God protects Zechariah from potentially speaking on God's behalf out of a human spirit, and instead offers him a place to heal in silence and solitude. There's a painting by artist Alexander Ivanov in 1824. We'll bring it up on the screen right here. It depicts the encounter between the angel and the priest. It's a beautiful painting, isn't it? And I think it also suggests that this was God's kindness instead of punishment. What we see here is Gabriel, he's reaching out his hand toward Zechariah to take away his speech, but he does it in such a way as if to gently place his hand on his shoulder. And then we see Zechariah, his hands are outstretched, Um, They almost signal his receptivity to Gabriel as if to humbly acknowledge his need for eternal transformation and healing. The reason why I think it's important for us to see the juxtaposition of Zechariah before and after the filling of the Holy Spirit is because we get a glimpse of what the prophetic ministry of the church shouldn't sound like and what it should sound like. One God silences, and the other becomes a song. You see, it's possible for the church, for Christians, just like Zechariah, if in that barren place of hope deferred, of hope misplaced, to speak out of a human spirit and point people to human versions of hope, you know, hope in politics, hope in church, hope in finances, hope in uh, relationships or kids or career, and while these hopes, they can be good in of themselves, they aren't the everlasting, death-defeating hope of Jesus, and we become a sound in society that we're not meant to be. You know, this August, our family, while on vacation in California, went to Legoland. Anyone been to Legoland? We planned and promised our kids to go in March 2020. Great planning, right? So here we are. We're uh, over over a year later, after many tears and lots of emotional manipulation from the Lawrence and kids. And we drive up and we park and we get to the security gates. And you know everything is awesome. That's why I'm not on the worship team. Um, <laughs> And we drive up, and it's so awesome. There's Lego everywhere, and there's, like, the the staff, they've got these, like, little self-made Lego badges that are super cute, and, and there's, like, they're wearing bright colors. But in the middle of this, standing out like a sore thumb is the security team on the gates. I mean, they look like a teenage SWAT team. They're all in black, you know, and they have these megaphones in their hands, okay? And they are not there to have fun. <laughs> They're not part of the act, I can tell, you know, they are serious, really shouty. Serious, And there's one of them whose job it is to tell everyone what to do. And she's there, and she's shouting through this megaphone. And even when, like, really, you shouldn't shout through a megaphone because it's a megaphone, right? But she's shouting through this megaphone. And um, and even though we're just, like, a couple of feet away, and she's like, everyone, make sure you put your phones in the basket before you go through the security gate. It's like killing the vibe, you know? And it's like, give me a headache. I'm putting my hands over my ears. And so I go up to her and and politely ask her in Queen's English, because, you know, sometimes that works here. (laughs) And I say, I say, excuse me, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but would you put the megaphone down? It's a bit much, don't you think? And she stands there for a minute and looks at me strangely. I think it throws her for a second, but then she's back at it. When the church operates out of a barren place, when we forget our spiritual power that comes from the Holy Spirit, and try and speak on behalf of God from a place of half faith and human hopes, there's a propensity in us to exert human effort, and it becomes about who can speak the loudest, who has the most influence, who has the most power, and guys, we become like a megaphone. You know the problem with megaphones? In the attempt to shout the loudest, not only does it become an irritating noise that people cover their ears to, the message itself gets distorted. I don't know if you've ever heard someone on a megaphone, but you can't actually make out what they're saying because of the frequency response. It just becomes this loud, blurry noise. I believe the prophetic ministry of the church is not this. The sounds of God's prophetic people should not be this. You see, the prophetic ministry of the church, the sounds of the prophetic people, is meant to be more like a song. You know, I don't think it's incidental that Zechariah's prophetic declaration was a song. This is such a contrasting, beautiful picture for us of what it's meant to look like, what it's meant to sound like. It's so different from a megaphone. You know, there's something about a song that's more powerful than just words. As songs, they have this unique ability to to connect and, and, and reach the deep emotions of people. They cross cultural barriers. You know, songs they catch. You'll find that people humming the melody to a song even before they know the actual words. I believe when we're thinking about what it looks like for us to be a prophetic ministry, for us to be a prophetic sound, the authentic prophetic sound for such a time as this, I propose that it's about us finding our song again. So now here we find Zechariah. He's filled with the Spirit and he prophesies this song. And the song in church history and tradition is called the Benedictus. It gets its name from the first words in Latin, Benedictus, Dominus, Deus, Israel. "'Blessed be the Lord of Israel.'" And it's the song of the realization of hope fulfilled. The message of the song sings stories of the hope of Jesus, what God has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. Jesus, the horn of salvation. Jesus, the rescuer from our enemies. Jesus, the rising sun who has come to us from heaven. Jesus, the light that pierces the darkness. Jesus, the story of Jesus who guides our feet to the places of peace. You know, so often we attribute prophetic ministry to the gift of prophecy. This is words of knowledge or getting a picture for someone. Prophetic prediction, spiritually discerning what's going on locally or nationally. And you know, these are things that are part of the prophetic gift that the Holy Spirit gives some people in the church to build up the church. But we are missing a big piece of the prophetic pie if we focus on these things alone. You see, these things are not indicative of our identity or our message as a prophetic people. Our identity as a prophetic community and our message hinges on the centrality of the story of Jesus. There's a verse in the book of Revelation that says, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What does this mean? It means the embodied stories of Jesus that that come from those who choose to follow him are what make up our prophetic song. Stories of hope, stories of rescue, lives changed, imperfect people living out a faith from the grace bestowed on us from God's. Ultimately, you know, they're stories of of our salvation. They're stories of our redemption. They're even the smaller stories of everyday stories of our formation. Ultimately, they're His story, Jesus' story of everlasting hope weaving in and out of our lives each day. And here's the thing they are stories that carry spiritual power and stories that make the gospel believable. You know, even in this room, we together make up of stories where we've been rescued, redeemed, and set free. Some of our stories are stories of pain and trauma and loss, you know, where we've journeyed with Jesus and we've navigated through really hard things like addiction or a broken marriage or depression. There's some of you in this room right now that are going through depression, loss of a loved one, We navigate these things with Jesus. And you know, we can look at these things and we think, wow, they're just this big, giant mess in my life. But here's the thing, often in these places of mess where we've wrestled and and where we've been tried, they often are the place of our message. And what we've got to understand and know is that these very stories that we have, the stories of Jesus at work in our lives, carry spiritual power. They become a sound that impacts others. Now, I'm sure many of you have heard of how an opera singer can shatter a glass with their voice. I had to do a bit of research on this one, and no, I didn't try it at home. I was thinking about getting Callie but then I just... Didn't didn't want to put her on the spot. Um, But what this is actually about is if the singer sings the same musical note that matches the resonant frequency of the glass, the sound waves will vibrate the air particles around the glass, and at its resonant frequency, this will make the glass begin to vibrate too the louder it gets, the more likely the glass will eventually shatter. When we have a story or stories of Jesus healing us or rescuing us or redeeming us, and we let that story out like a song, it goes out in the airways, in the spiritual airways, and it seeks out and finds a spiritual frequency, spiritual resonance with other people with the same stories. And what happens is that our breakthrough now can be some, become someone else's breakthrough. Our healing can now bring someone else into a healing. Our hope can now bring someone else into a hope. This is the power at work, the Holy Spirit power at work through our stories. You know, I think we've been inclined to believe that prophetic ministry is about this one or two super spiritual mystic, People who seem to have um, some privileged information about God, but I can test that, and I believe that the prophetic ministry of the church is all about all of us who courageously learn how our rescuing stories of Jesus have power to bring people, rescue to others. You mustn't count yourself out of this prophetic community, because if you know Jesus you have a story and you are part of this prophetic song. And you know, it's not just stories of what Jesus has redeemed in our past, but it's also the unfolding stories of what he is doing now through the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. How he is transforming us and renewing us, forming us to be more like him. How he takes us, this group of Jesus following people, you know? We breathe the same cultural air as everyone else of self-centeredness and individualism and greeds. And yet he brings counterformation, and he teaches us to love each other regardless of differences. He teaches us to lay our lives down for our friends, to think more highly of others than ourselves to lose our very lives in order to find them. Brennan Manning, author, says this, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. It's a provoking quote, isn't it? But maybe it's so provoking because if the opposite was true, Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips walk out the door and sing a story of him by their lifestyle, then an unbelieving world with our fake news antennas up simply finds this believable. If we grasp that we are storytellers of Jesus, whose stories carry spiritual power and bring believability, and we allow the stories of our lives to sing out like a prophetic song that's been sung through the ages, then I believe that we become the real deal, true, authentic, prophetic community of faith. And we sing a song, guys, that's worth listening to. A song that gets stuck in people's heads, and I believe a song that eventually reaches people's hearts. You know, through this whole Advent series, we've been encouraging every, everyone to pray this prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. And you know, I believe that for some of us this morning, as we pray it, come, Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will meet you, just like he met Zachariah in a place of hope deferred. You know, how many of us this Christmas season are in that place? You know, we have longings, that haven't been fulfilled. We have hope deferred. Maybe we're disillusioned in life. Even in worship, I felt that there was someone in this room that has a failed business or a a failed endeavor. You had so much hope in the beginning, but somehow it all went wrong, and you're in that place this morning. Maybe you've got questions or disappointment with church, but just like that painting of Gabriel just gently touching the shoulder of Zachariah, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to gently touch you right now and call you into a place of healing and renewal. And so some of you, as you pray that prayer today, come Holy Spirit, is walking into that place. For others of us this morning, I believe that God is asking us Will you recommit yourselves to being a prophetic people? Will you come back to the gospel sounds? You know, we're walking into 2022. We have no idea what to expect, but God is saying, will you commit to that, to be a people who carry a story and a song that impact the people around us? And you know, there are some people here this morning, I believe, that have never prayed the prayer, come Holy Spirit, or maybe not for a long time, because you haven't yet put your faith in Jesus. But there's an invitation right now to cross that line of faith. You know, you get to have your own story and your own song. And I believe that you need to know this morning that God is not shouting at you, but instead he's singing a song. He's been singing a song over you for many years, a song of hope, calling you back into his family. And if that's you this morning, where it starts, where it begins, it's just saying a simple prayer. It's, It's saying a simple prayer, Jesus, I give you my life. You can say it right now with me under your breath Jesus, I give you my life. As a way for us all to respond today, Callie is going to lead us in a song. It's a hymn called Blessed Assurance. It's old and I love it because it's rich with the gospel message of Jesus. And the chorus goes, This is my story this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. And what's going to happen is Callie's going to sing it over us the first time, because I think it's important for us to listen to the words. When I listen to a song, I put my hand on my heart because I want it to like penetrate into the deepest place of my inner being. And then we're going to sing it together. And I want you guys to take this as an opportunity to come and meet with Jesus, to come and be uh, blessed by the Holy Spirit this morning. And we're going to sing this together. So will you stand with me and let me just pray for us as we respond. As we sing this song. Together as God's people, we pray, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, have your way.